What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 57. And I did not get interrupted this time, but Jason and Tracer are laughing off camera, on camera, off mic. It's good times. Uh, for anyone that isn't familiar, the Battle Mallet Podcast is the journey of three busy gamers playing games that playing games that they love, balancing life with those games, and making their way to the Nova Open Convention every year and possibly other major gaming events? Question mark. Uh, in tonight's episode, we are going to cover the new Underworlds FAQ errata document. Pink text. F- yeah, we don't cover the far list because we don't play championship, but there are two great podcasts out there that will cover those in detail, I am sure, in Path to Glory and What the Hex. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk about the 2023, the year of 2023 in review and our hopes and dreams for the 2024 year. I don't know why I said it like that, but I did. So here we are. My name is Jared Johnson, and tonight I am joined by Trace Hyde. What's up, guys? And Jason Tabled Noob Murray. And gals. Thades and gentle thems. Oh, uh, I, you know what? This is it's going to turn into a new game. Like, um, so you probably didn't hear all the giggling and laughing, but the every night when we get on and we we talk and hang out, Jared goes, "I'm going to bed," and Trace and I play this game to see how long we can keep him going. It's very successful most nights. It typically ends in 45 minutes to an hour longer. But now I think we have a new game, and that is the start of the podcast. And how can we derail it as see long how, as we can? See how long we can push out the start time. Yes. Yeah, it's, it seems like fun. <laughs> um, it was we completely haven't done unintentional last time. Anybody got any dad jokes off the off the hip? Uh, no, I did riddles tonight. You did do, do riddles. I had one written down. Trace is doing some research. So while Trace is researching, we're not going to cover what we've been up to because we're going to cover that in later segments. So the intro section will be short. So really, I'm just delaying while I don't I can't get to it fast enough. Just keep going. Can't. Yep. All right. We'll find it later. Maybe we'll we'll throw one in in the outro. Um, So anyway, so I guess this is it for the intro. Any any major landmarks? That was eventful. Community shout outs. Not a, not coupon codes to give away? No. Oh, yeah. No. We don't have sponsors. So, no. Nope. Cool. Well, short and sweet. Uh, that'll close us out for the outro and uh, intro. <laughs> so Man. good. Pro- you don't need any help tonight. Professional. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the Underworld's errata and designer's commentary. And we're back from where I don't know, but we've returned to the Death Gorge for the December 2023 rules update. This was a big one, ladies and gentlemen, probably one of the biggest I can recall in memory in just the all encompassing documents and updates that we've received. Um, I might be wrong about that. Like uh, we didn't tally them all, but it just, it feels like this is a major update. One that we haven't seen in at least a year. Um, You guys think that's accurate? Like it feels huge. Yeah, it's, it is. I think it touches more war bands 
like warband touches than we've ever seen in a single update other than like adding all of the keywords to historical warbands, you know, when they added brawler and hunter and minion and all that stuff. Yeah. We Yeah. When they went to the keyword system. Yeah. For me, like, you know, before we get into the details of, of some of these, some of the bigger ones, it feels like this will have the biggest impact that we've seen, at least since we've been playing nemesis because, um, it really updates a lot of cards. We've seen updates where the errata or change wording on fighter cards and and the character cards or a plot card, but not, I mean, not often. It has happened. It's not like it's like the first time ever, but it actual cards, like in deck cards that are actually getting wording changes or just the way that they play completely differently, um, both in a warband and in a universal. Um, so it's it's really really exciting, um, and I think we'll start with Domitan. So I don't play a whole lot of Domitan, but I think this is a pretty significant. So giving a change, they changed their inspiration. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty big. It's yeah, pretty it's a big deal. So what is it currently? Currently? Good the less you have your card on you, you're not gonna. I got see it, that. I got it. So harness yeah. the ether. This is a reaction. Harness the aether. Aether. After another friendly fighter's activation. It's a reaction. After another friendly fighter's activation, inspire this fighter, then uninspire each other friendly fighter. So this is the same reaction that's on all three fighters. But because it's a reaction, rules as written, it is optional. So prior to the December 2023 update, you could inspire one of your Storm Coven and then leave that fighter inspired until you saw fit to change who was inspired. Um, But the update updates that. Um, and it basically tacks a sentence before the reaction. So change the harness, the ether ability to read as follows after another friendly fighters activation, one uninspired friendly fighter with this ability must use it reaction after another friendly fighters activation, inspire this fighter, then uninspire each other friendly fighter. So now you have to change who's inspired after you activate a fighter. Yeah, so that that's going to completely change kind of the way they play. And for me, the the most significant change that this is going to bring up is the five wound fighter. So you could often leave him with four wounds because he still had that fifth wound and just let him sit there. Mm-hmm. But yep. now, oh, yep, oh, yep. what other what other impacts do we think that it'll have? So. Um, it's an after, after the activation reaction. Um, so that means that you're blocking any other after activation reactions that you might want to make. Um, so the force of frost cloak where you get an ice counter after your activation, you don't get to do that because you have to use the harness, the ether reaction. Hmm. Um, and then myriad others, right? So your your classic, you know, push this fighter one hex after 
an attack action. Well, if the attack action is the last thing they do in the activation, then it's in the same window as this harness the ether reaction. So I think it, I think it complicates the warband, but it probably brings them in line. Um, I would be curious to see how uh, Amon's deck from World Champs would play now uh, with the new rules compared to the rules that were in play, you know, prior to this update. Is this the first time that we've seen a reaction that must be taken? Because reactions have always been, you can do it or you don't have to do it. Yeah, I think so. I can't think of another reaction that you've had to take. Do you think that it implies to any other, like all reactions have to be taken? No, 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 no. Yeah. The, the I mean, wording the, is very, specific. the text is very clear. Just saying like that you must use the reaction. So that's <clears> good. Yeah. And for their ping setup, like, cause when they're inspired, they're level two wizards. So it definitely makes positioning and further future turn planning for the player very important. Do you think that this puts a fork in them? Like, are they done? Do we just not see Domantan come around anymore? Or is magic so powerful still that? that they- I don't think they're done. I think it just requires a little more forethought now in how you interact with the fighters. Okay. Yeah. So to, to, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I mean, I haven't played it with the new update, but my gut tells me that this pulls them off of their current pedestal, right? It's going to pull yeah. them out of that, whatever the S tier. Yeah. It's, it's brought them down to reality a little bit for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're still very good, right? Yeah. Like they, they have great stats. They have great rules. Um, the fact that Sarpon can whack you for three damage if you're adjacent um on three smash like that's a big deal um the fact that liana makes everybody flying and makes them all faster like they still have all of the tools in their toolkit they just have less control over when they get used so like trey said i think it's just going to require a lot more forethought to use them effectively which probably pulls them down into um into that Kind of, it's still top tier, but not just so far above everything else. I think, I think the biggest thing that it does is it just prevents you stacking all these upgrades on a single fighter and then just not ever using the reaction again. I think that that's the big thing that really brings it back down to reality. Like you can't, you can't just stack upgrades on a fighter, go do something, and then like be uninspired like typically when they're inspired they're more resilient they're just better all around so yeah you do something crazy like go into enemy territory and drop a abyssos winter storm and i know i'm just okay being silly but like now you have to understand like that was already a risky play and now you have to uninspire that fighter. If that was your inspired fighter that went to do it. Um, it also puts Domitan into danger zone too. Like if you get him vulnerable. Yep. And then he switches off. Now he's dead. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, if you only have one fighter left, you don't have any uninspired fighters that have to take that reaction. Right. So, you know, you get down to your end game and you only have one fighter left, well, you can, you're still going to be able to make the most out of that one inspired fighter. Yeah, I think it's a good change. I think it um, definitely adds a wrinkle to them that people will have to figure out work around. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely interested. I think I'm more interested to play them now um, than I ever have been because there does seem to be a little bit of a puzzle there. Um, I also like it's it to me, it's for whatever reason, this change out of all the changes we've ever seen within Spark conditions or fighter fighter keywords or actions. This one is the hardest one to grab my, to, to wrap my head around. Like I just, it's like after another fighter's activation, I right. have to inspire another fighter. And for some reason it just, I'm going to have to play it to remember how it works. So it might just because that's my brain is fighting against everything I know. Um, but while we were talking about them, we did mention Abathos Avalanche a number of times, and I know we're kind of skipping around here to go to a universal gambit, but I do think that these are kind of connected and you, cause you mentioned ice counters as well. So this one has been changed, um, really completely <laughs> like it is added a condition to it. So change this card to read as follow, uh, gambit spell on a focus. If cast, remove one ice counter from this fighter, then deal one damage to each fighter in the same territory as the caster, and then place up to one available feature token in an empty hex in that territory. So you, this card now requires the tax of having an ice counter, which is, yeah. is it, is that fair? That's pretty steep. Is it not? That's like an upgrade plus another way of getting it. I mean, I think it works, and I think it's because Abyssos Avalanche can be so one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest boogeyman, I think, that was talked about across the online community was the fact that you could throw a level 2 caster, activation 1, turn 1, into enemy territory, and throw 1 damage onto every fighter into that territory. And so, of course, the example is always Zarbag's Gets, but let's be honest, nobody's playing Zarbag's Gets. But you could, in theory, deal nine damage with one Gambit. Turn one, activation one. And now, that's just not going to happen. It may not even happen in turn one. Or if it does, it's going to happen late in turn one, and you'll have a chance to, to mix things up, to move your fighters around, to avoid it. Um... Because it's not trivial to get an ice counter, to get an upgrade on, to get an ice counter, and have the spell in hand. So, and then to just burn the ice counter, which may be a victory condition for one of your cards too. Right. Really. It's it's a steep it's a steep nerf, um, but I feel like I feel like it's needed for the power level of the card. Like if you want to go do that, I mean, I've been on the receiving end of it. It doesn't feel good to just get turn one Abasoft, and now you're really 
behind the eight ball with three to, you know, five, six fighters. Yeah, I mean, there's still a way to do it without having a glory, right? You play shard, falling shards, right? And then you can get yep. you a, nice a nice counter. counter go do yeah. it. But you have to tech into it now. And that mm-hmm. leans more into the theme of the deck, which I like. I like that this is the solution that that was come up with. Um, so are you, do you think you're still taking the card? I think it's a, I think is a heavy decision now, but I think it should have always been a heavy decision. Okay. Instead of the auto take that it was for one focus. Yeah. (laughs) You know? All right, cool. Well then moving on to another change that is near and dear to my heart and staying on, on the, the wizards level, um, the heffalump or heffalump, pandemonium received um some changes one you know we kind of talked about this before i think it is a subtle change the other one kind of caught me off guard but we'll see what you guys think so the change to um to heffalum is to the changing sequence so this is the the sequence that happens before the turn um and it's kind of like their plot card. So you're going to change point two. So the first point is I, as the pandemonium player will inspire a fighter. Step two always was now we're going to pick somebody to stagger one of my friendly changers to stagger, but the change is um, pick an opponent. The opponent chooses a surviving changer from your war band that has not been chosen yet. This round stagger the chosen changer. Then the third step would come back to me to put somebody on guard. And then the fourth step is, which was I push somebody, is change to pick an opponent. The opponent chooses a surviving changer from your warband that has not been chosen this round and push the changer one hex. So now in this four-step process, I still get two that I control, but the other two are controlled by my opponent. That's uh, it's pretty nifty. I love four i love the fact that my opponent is pushing one of my changers i think it fixes a lot of the problems that we saw with some of the pairings um but what do you guys think about your opponent is now putting the stagger token down from a from a thematic and lore perspective of zinch being a fickle god your opponent getting the choose which fighters are ha- can have potentially negative things happen to them, I think is big. Um, just from a lore perspective. I think it's very powerful for your opponent to be able to just say, hey, you in the front, you're now staggered. And depending on it, it, it really changes it really changes your approach to how you how you and how you do your change sequence now too. Because you have to be very diligent with how you want those changers to be ordered. Cause like your favorite thing to do is put Kindle finger on guard. And now I'm going to put Kindle finger on stagger, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Or if you don't, you know, depending on whatever changer is selected first, like it really informs the opponent's decision and gives them more agency against Ephilim who could play a lot of 
really passive stuff. Yeah, it, it sets somebody up for a turn one charge that's fairly accurate to take out one of the changers. You could, and you aren't giving me an option then to put somebody on guard, like you have mm-hmm. already pointed out. And then accompanied with a push of another changer, it really it means that there probably is going to be pretty good turn one interaction where, you know, my build, <clears throat> the way I played them was inspire spawn maw and have Kindle finger on guard out there in the center. And he's who I want you to interact with because it's probably going to take one or two, three interactions for you to get through him. And if I save any of those, now you've got somebody that I, I can interact with and kind of go about my plan. Um, so it definitely changes that where I might, my plan may have to change significantly or I might have to interact more. Um, there's even further clarification. Um, and for me, it, it feels like a clarification cause this is the way I always played flame spooler, but it now has, um, with this, the, the token you, you distribute after you land a successful attack, um, it, the what is it warp splash ability reaction after the deal damage step of this attack action give each fighter within one hex of the target one warping counter and then add the following following ability to the flame spoolers fighter card um, weird flame at the start of a round deal one damage to each fighter with one or more warping counters then remove this fighter's warping counters this ability must be used even if this fighter is out of action so just like further clarification that if you cast this you take a damage at the start of the round i don't think that'll have any as much significant change or any impact really yeah um unlike the change to the plot card but yeah it is a good clarification yeah, I mean, the important clarification here is that the ability still works even if Flame Spooler is out of action. Dead. Yep. Because I think that was the That's debate. Big. I think that was the debate in the community. I had seen it before in one of the discords was, do you still take damage from the warping counters if Flame Spooler is out of action? Because fighters that are out of action no longer interact with the game, yada, yada, yada. Your corpse is still burning. That's yeah, I was right. going to say you're on fire, sir. Yeah. And uh, so this isn't the only Warband that got that clarification of update. Um, Skittershank's Claw Pack, Creep Ken Whisper, with his Barb's reaction to give a net counter, also continues to deal damage with the net counters after a move action, even if Ken Whisper is out of action. So. Interesting. Yep. So we're now dealing damage to the out of action fighters. No, you're dealing damage from the out-of-action fighters. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Their abilities still allow you to take damage. Yeah, you can still use their abilities, even if they're out-of-action. Yep. Well, cool. Um, Another universal update, to jump around even more, was the objective card types. So on page 50 of our rulebook, there's this little uh, sentence that for surge steps, right? So change the fourth and fifth sentences under surge object objective cards and the surge step to read when that, when the condition of a surge objective card is met, the player may reveal that card. 
Once revealed, they will score that card in the next search step. I think the keyword here is may. May. That's kind of what it sounds like. Not like must. Yeah. (laughs) So I know locally we've gone back and forth on this a number of times that you must score a surge. Um, So now now to me it feels back to where this – to this may where if I have a, a card and I may want to hold it later to score it, I can. And I like that. Yeah. What was, what was the one that that was big for the one where your leader has to make. It's for the toxic attack. terrorist deck. Yeah. You get extra yeah. glory. If, if I you get an extra glory at the six successful attack in enemy territory. The yeah. leader makes two 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 attack actions if one is successful and is in enemy territory. Yeah. You, you get score an extra glory. Two glory. Yep. Nice. So like good example of this was when I was testing Ripa with that deck, and I would run in and try and kill a changer. And I would miss both attacks, but I made two attacks. Still had to score it. Yeah. But now you would probably make both attacks because that changer would be staggered. <laughs> Possibly. No. Okay. Most no. likely. He says no. Just as long as he's not playing Jared. Yeah. No, it happened with you too, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some changes also to Velmorn. Um, reaction use this. So this is, I'm sorry. It is his uh, deadly command reaction. <laughs> is now changed to read as follows. Use this in the first reaction step of each action phase and or after each of this fighter's activation. Give this fighter one command counter. While this fighter has one or more command counters, it is supporting each friendly grave guard. Clear the counters at the end of the action phase. So this is a little update to the update that we just got out of the last FAQ where you can now react and give him a command counter before the round starts because the first surge step is before all the action. Right. And now you can also give him a second command counter at, if he makes an activation, which should, which should help with his deck, right? Cause there are cards within their rivals deck that want you to expend command counters. My question to you both is, does this really matter? (laughs) Is it enough? Um, I mean, I, you know, it's not going to bring him to the top of the pack, but I, I do like that the meta watch team is keeping an eye on this, that the, the nudge that they made wasn't, didn't have the impact that they thought that it was going to have. And so now they've just combined the original rule with the updated rule. So it just gives you more opportunities to get command counters but frees you from still having to do like the first activation is, oh, I put Velmorn on guard or I move Velmorn onto an objective. Whatever. You may still do that, and now you're sitting on two command counters. But I think it's... I don't know. We'll see. I thought that I had retired them, but... <laughs> now you're going to have to... I would have loved this if it like would support Jedrin. Like, well, yeah, well, yeah. Who doesn't want Jedrin to be able to hit for on two smash uninspired and then two smash plus 
plus a single support inspired with rerolls against large fighters. I love Jedrin. I want him to be the best he can be. All right. For me, the big one, because I've been playing them so much lately, is they are an eye. Oh, my Um, gosh. And this change is huge. Each each fighter inspired or and uninspired change the aerobatic ability to read as follows. When this acrobatic. Whatever. I'm reading. It's literally 15 feet away. So I'm just making it up as I read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When this fighter is dealt damage by an attack action, reduce damage by one to a minimum of zero for each dodge in the defense roll. And I know for a fact this would have impacted a couple of games. It's not going to happen every game. No. But the fact that, like, now when I roll a Didge, it's going to have an effect. Yeah. I love it. There's very few things that reduce to zero in this game, and I love that this Warband got one of them. Yeah. I read this this and immediately went looking for the Nurgle to see if they did the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. And And they did did not. not. Yeah. Which makes me sad. Yeah. Um, So with the upgrade that's reduced damage to a minimum of one and the gambit that is reduced damage by two to a minimum of one. If you are on two defense dice, you could, in theory, soak a five damage attack. Which means that the gambit would still stay in play because the gambit only... It persists until a fighter takes damage, right? The reduced by two. Or is well, it, it's, no, it, it, no it's, it's until it's reduced, reduced in, in this, this way. way. Yeah. So, so like, if, if you get hit by a three and you, re- you use the upgrade to reduce one and then you roll two dodge to re- reduce to zero, you still haven't used that gambit. Correct. Yeah, because you're reducing the, the dodges yeah. instead of the gambit reducing. Yeah, and because all of these things happen at the same time and it's your fighter that it's happening to, you get to choose the order in which to apply the effects. Yes. So are you always going to soak a five damage attack with the upgrade and the gambit and two defense dice? No. No. But it's going to happen once and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it just... They're already really squishy two wound fighters anyway, right? Yeah. So now that I had, and that's probably why Nurgle didn't get it, is because they are beefier old warband that no one likes. Yeah, but all of their <laughs> objectives suck. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. So I, I really think it's cool. I'm happy to see it out there. I'm happy to put it into practice i know that on paper it's like oh my goodness this is gonna be awesome but there's still two in fighters and at the end of the day you know um rebound only worked 33 percent of the time when it worked it worked what did we used to say that rebound won you a third of the games that you would have lost yeah anyway yes yeah okay so and then just the bounce back well before we bounce back there are some other other um, warband updates, and I well, look, we've already gone through the skitter shank, right? So, yep. But um, speaking of reducing damage to zero, Skritter had his rule updated. He did, yeah. So, Scavix Plague Pack Skritter, 
the bestest rat holding his little weird stone. Warp stone. Warp stone. It's warp stone. Change the worthless ability to read as follows. This fighter cannot be dealt damage by gambits. If this fighter would be taken out of action, remove it from the battlefield and clear all counters and persisting effects from this fighter is not taken out of action. So the no latter part that I sped through. Yeah. No more free kill Scritter. Get yeah, off but you cannot ping Scritter to death. And Gambits includes Gambit spells. So ploys are Gambits and spells are Gambits. So He's you also cannot... immune to Abyssoth's Avalanche. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't like this one. You don't know? No. And this is like it's I've I've played a lot of Plague Pack. Yeah. And I it feels like when you get all these changes together that this one if if the if the state of the game was the state of the game last week yep. and you introduced this change. Yeah. Okay, I get it. But now you've changed some of the most prolific potent casters and you change this like it feels like a buff to a warband that i thought was already doing well hmm. so it yeah it, fe- it feels it listen i'm gonna i'm gonna play it i'm gonna love it but i i think it really if yeah it wasn't needed because <laughs> now because now and it, the reason for this is, is like he wasn't giving up a glory anyway. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Like, yeah, so if he now was giving ma- up a three glory, I could see it. Yes. Yeah. Like, if he was worth a glory, fine. But the fact that he's no glory and now I have to take an activation yeah. to deal with him, he doesn't feel so worthless. That's true. And I was going to say something about Spinefin, but you can bring Spinefin back. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Spinefin's a little different because he, you know, returns. If you remember the shell token. If you remember the shell token. But I mean, whatever. Like, I love, I love Plague Pack. This makes Scritter really good. Really good. Because now you're, like, it's almost like the dog. Like, the, the reason that Hexbane's, the dogs are so effective is the first dog, your opponent has to deal with the dogs. Yeah. And it doesn't give glory. But he was always worth no glory. So were the dogs. Yeah. But the fact that you can't ping him to death. Right? Like, why can't you not ping the dogs to death? You can. Right. But why? Like, Because he's only one wound and the dogs are two. Yeah, but you can ping him, ping him twice. And then it's two resources. Yeah, it's all, yeah. it's all a matter of resources. And the number of times that I had him killed from... Tooth and Claw or something like that where uh, just oh, a yeah. ploy, like you're standing next to him and he's dead. Like you go yeah. in and kill a fighter. Or he made dead. a move action and after his activation, yeah. he takes the damage. Right. Yeah. 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 He gains a ton of utility. Yeah. I don't know. I He's just, he's really strong now. Like he, for all you players out there, he kind of makes that warband function because he has mm-hmm. super high move. He's a befaller. Yeah. Like he, he makes, he's what makes them tick. That's why people would spend resources painting him out of the game because it wasn't an action. Now you have to invest 
one action. of your 12 actions to try to take him out. And if he's inspired, he's on two dodge. Like, I don't know. I think it was just a little heavy handed in a, and I understand why, because the ping meta is what the ping meta was. I don't yeah. think that the ping meta was as bad in nemesis than it was in championship, but whatever, I'll take it. Like they will continue to see the board and they're going to be even better now with this. Way better. Yeah. Okay. So we talked um, about we talked about claw pack. Yeah. So we can we can um just rip rip through there's three other warbands that got changes. Um that don't really impact anything because I I think people were well they kind of do. Anyway, so Exile Dead. <laughs> um uh, they don't know. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um you can take super actions with the dance macabre if the super action is a scything attack action. So before the update with the Death Gorge rulebook, it said that super actions were not actions. So it was up in the air as to whether you could take a scything attack action as your attack action. Now it's clear that you can with the dance dynamic ability. Um, and then the one that I think probably needed the clarification is that with the puppeteer ability, um, Markov's puppeteer ability, this fighter and a friendly Regulus can each make one action or super action other than this action. So now for sure, because it wasn't clear with the Death Gorge rulebook whether um, Regulus could charge out of the puppeteer action, but now he can. Um, Kagra's Ravagers, um, the Despoil ability on Dower Kragen and Razak, God blessed. Um, you desecrate the objective immediately after the final power step of the round, which allows you to get desecration tokens on before the final surge step of a round, which means that you can inspire going into the end phase. Um, and then Varklov's uh, action, um, his push action, it says choose one or more friendly chain rasps because they changed it before to you had to push towards the nearest enemy fighter. So you still have to push one, but you don't have to push all anymore. Um, again, like, does this mean that Thorns of the Briar Queen are going to suddenly pop up to the top of the playing field? I don't think so. But it is kind of cool to see them going back and updating older warbands to bring them more in line with the current state of the game. Yeah, and it's been a long time since we had kind of updates to all the older war bands. I think the cat the categories one is probably the one that intrigues me the most, right? That they're inspiring kind of when the two desecration tokens are on the battlefield. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, but the one that I have the most questions about are the exiled dead. Okay, fire away, sir. So I charge with the big armed guy. Uh, what the heck is his name? Coil. 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 You charge with coil. Charge with coil. Check. Okay. And then I dance my dance. Yep. Can I now make a scything attack? Mm -hmm. You can because you're not activating him. Okay. So it says a fighter with a 
charge token, when you activate a fighter with a charge token, you cannot take super actions. You are not activating coil when you do the dance dynamic. Hmm. Okay. So you could charge coil in and then in a later turn do the dance dynamic and scythe with him uninspired or whatever. So I think that there's a lot of things to explore with Exile Dead because of the general rule changes. Yeah. Also, masks. Well, I was getting there. So now what you're saying is is that I can put a mask onto Regulus. Yep. And his action can be a mask action. It could be, yep. So you put that bandana eye on him. And he can pew pew laser beams with Vitrix's eye. Till his heart, his undead heart's content. <laughs> to his undead heart's content. Yep. What other actions are out there? I mean, so you've got all of the actions on the, and actually that might be, I think that's the play, right? So a lot of the actions, there's the action that you get full rerolls, right? On one of the masks. There's the action that's plus one damage on one of the masks. So you could puppeteer with Regulus and Markov in the back. There's an action to gain an ice counter in the frost deck. Yeah. I don't know what good. Yeah. So you, I mean, yeah, you could do that with Markov and then throw him into the mix to cast Ivasoth's um Abathos Avalanche, but I mean, I the, mean frost, the Frostbitten Veil is the one that intrigues me probably the most, right? Is because, like, let's say it's mid game, it's turn two. I put it on him, I move Markov wherever Markov needs to go. I do sure. this, and now he's re rolling everything for the entire round, even if he's rezzed. Yeah. Right? So yep. I like that one. And then there's plus one damage to this fighter's range one, range two attack actions other than scything until the end of the round. Yeah, that's pretty good. <clears throat> it just gives you more efficiency out of the out of the masks. So yeah, and they're not attack action upgrades, so they're not. Nope. Mm-hmm. Cool. So the the zombies can wear them. Zombies for the win. I just think there's a lot of new play that's been kind of pumped into the Exile Dead, Kagras. The, the Thorns, I don't... I mean, I'm sure there's some reason yeah. out there that that had to be added, but... <laughs> I think it just brings them more in line, right? Like, it doesn't force you to push all of them, right? So, I mean, does that open up Paths of Prophecy for them? So, like, you can put Chain Rasps on objectives, and then you can Barclough push... You know that that um, the ever hanged. Yeah, I get. My problem is they've just they've already had their time in the sun. Like Thorns oh, dominated yeah. this game so many years ago. Oh yeah. Like yeah, I'd, I, I'd be willing for them to just not be good, <laughs> so <laughs> at all. Kagros and Exile Dead, I don't think have ever really gotten their fair, yeah, fair shake. So that's yeah. And then, so uh, those are all the warband ones, right? I think yeah. The, and then I think the only other thing 
that we haven't talked about is the updates to the breakneck slaughter. Correct. Upgrades. So headlog sprinter, living hurricane and moving Mark. Um, you only give momentum counters after a move action in an activation. And only after the first move in an activation step. So if you're making moves outside of like in the power step championship, I guess where you mix void Kirsten. No, you can't do that because they both have plot cards. I don't know. There are, there are gambits out there that let you make move actions during the power step. You're not going to gain momentum counters during the power step for making move actions with these upgrades. Okay. It's just a nice clarification. Yeah. And you won't get extra ones if you're, if you're, I don't know, playing them with, uh, the cunning crew and I don't know, doing spirals around Manoc with fighters with these upgrades on, right? You'll get two momentum counters or one momentum counter or whatever in the activation, regardless of the number of move actions that you make with them. Yeah. Cool. So cool. Moving, moving on to the commentary. Yeah, I, I reckon so. You reckon so? The 40, document, 42 minutes later. Document, document number two. And, uh, you know, we just kind of touch the, the high points here. So for the razors, um, one that I like, I actually had questions of the hammer tide ability. Um, do blocked hexes prevent a friendly hammer tide ability from affecting enemy fighters? No, I, no. I always assumed you had to have line of sight, but yeah, no, you don't. Just, and just that's what's going. not a choose, right? It's not, but yeah, I mean, from the war gamer in me, like yeah, this mystical water hammer tide is going through a pillar of ice. Okay. I mean, cool. it's the, it's the aether sea. So it is both here and not here at the same time. <laughs> hammer smash ice, hammer smash ice, but not smash it so that it is not there anymore. That's correct. And then I think the other the other ones to me were just kind of like clarifications. I mean, you guys jump in here um, if you feel differently. But the other one for me was the the ruling on the thricefold Discord, where you could. I'm trying to find it now so I can. But it's their one of their cards where you have a choice, and if no one has a move or stagger token. You can still select this. Yeah. So well-earned rest. Um, I play this card. Can my opponent pick the second option? If no fighter has a move and or charge token. And the answer is yes. And that one to me just kind of was odd because of the way other rulings were made in the past where there, it had to be able to be completed. And the fact that I'm not removing any tokens um, was a little strange. Like it's it's fine. It, it definitely decreases the value of that card. Yeah. Um, it does but, say up to. 
So I, I get it. It's fine. Like I'm not, I'm not going to argue like the FAQ. It just, it's disappointing because that, that card is now not as uh, yeah. desirable. Right. Um, Cause the other option is your, your move up to two move and or start stagger tokens from surviving fighters or you give a fighter in the player's warband that has no tokens a charge token. Right. Um, that feels really good to give somebody a charge token, but yeah, we probably won't won't see that. And then, Jared, you have some notes about pushes. Yeah, so I think I know we missed this in our review of the new season rule book. Um but in the rule book, I got to find it now because um, I forget what page it's on. Uh, when it says pushes, uh, it very clearly states that a fighter cannot end a push in the same hex that they started in. So in previous seasons, you could push up to X number of hexes and that number of hexes could have been zero because there was no verbiage in the rule book that a push had to end in a different hex than it started. Uh, but that ruling exists now. So for everybody playing push cards that are push up to, you do not have the choice to push zero hexes anymore. Yeah. Which is further clarified in, in the designer's commentary, right? So to resolve certain abilities, my opponent or I are required to push, choose or pick up to a certain value of things such as a fighter cards or number of hexes when can that be zero and the answer is when required by the card to do something up to value the value could be zero unless you are to push the fighter yeah and it is page 31 as jared just referenced so that is a a significant update or at least a clarification for us that i've probably been playing wrong for five and a half years um, <laughs> I actually, that I would be curious to actually look that up to see if that, that is the case in other rule books. Maybe I don't recall. Maybe. That would be really funny. Um, it, uh, there is a clarification in one of the designers commentary about scatter and scatter is allowed to end in the same hex that it started in. Um, because I believe the way that that works is that a scatter is a series of one hex pushes. And so each hex, each push is treated differently. So it's not, it starts in a separate hex. So you could push out of a hex and then push back into it with a stack, with a scatter. That's interesting, but I mean, I, I think that's the way that we've always interpreted it, but I'm glad that it's clarified, yeah. right? Right. <clears throat> so. Yep. And then the other big, big one, I, you know, salvage. Can I salvage a power card in any power step? Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I love when they put like little ones in there that just like creeped up through months of play where people ask the question and we all know what should be, but yeah, 
But it's nice to have it defined. Defined. Now, yes. Is objective five synonymous with objective token with a value of five? Yes. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Is there anything in here, anything else that we want to go over? There are like, there is definitely some great clarification for breakneck slaughter plot card and how momentum works. Yeah. Um, You're resolving the impetusability once, no matter how many fighters you end up pushing around because yeah. they have momentum counters. The ability so that clears up that objective. Once. Yeah. yeah it, it clears up the objective. It's going to take three, three action steps three activation steps yes. to get to resolve it three times awesome so without going into in you know we're not going to go into the restricted or unrestricted cards there were cards that came off cards that went on um, it is great to see the support for the championship yep. um, format of the game continue uh, that is not the way that we choose to play the game and Tracy, you showed me a deck the other day, and I just like threw up a little in my mouth and went on with my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but my brain exploded. I was like, I'm just gonna put this way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we were talking about it the other night. Like, I don't think that I built a championship deck since Nova of 2022. 2022, yes. The head crack, the head when I took head crack as Mad Mob to Nova. Yeah, and even before that, locally, we weren't playing championship. We were playing, what was it, Rivals Plus? What we called it, Rivals Plus, yeah. yeah. Um, so, to it be fully in a championship. 2020, 2021, the last time that I made a championship deck. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, again, I'm glad, with it's, you. I'm glad it's getting support, yeah. right? Because there is a there is a, a there's a healthy there's a healthy group of people that still want to play that format, and I com- yep. I'm very happy for those folks that they're getting. Yeah, and, and and trust me, now that I found this new kind of love. So for our listeners, you know, I was playing the Heffalumps. I love Heffalump. It it fits my playstyle per- perfectly. But after Nova, I kind of went into this like gray zone of like, what do I want to play? Is the game there? Like. I don't know. It was just kind of been there, done that, right? I've been playing this game for a long time and many, many times. Um, and then I kind of got back to my roots and I played these kind of like off meta, off power level war bands like Air Nye and um, Loon Court. And that's really what I want to focus on. But there are some times when I'm playing Air Nye, it's like, oh, if I just had access to one or two different style of cards. Yeah. I could make them play completely how I want them to play, which is I'm going to sit here and wait for you to come to me. But I don't know. My dad, J- Jason's, my dad brain. Jason's default play style. <laughs> Just yeah. wait for everybody. Yeah. They can punch you in the face. Yeah. Draw, take three activations to draw power cards and then do something redonkulous with your fourth activation in the first action phase so so for you guys big takeaways from from the update things that you're looking forward to it's critter it's critter <laughs> i'm just i'm just kidding um no i think uh I, the critter change is big like we jump we've already discussed i i think 
I think what's nice is that they're not as reserved in some of their changes that they're making with some of these. And I think the cool thing is, is that they know that they can always just dial it back. They can always just the next FAQ, they can tweak it again. And I like seeing that a little bit of that bravery and not being scared of just straight up changing like an inspire condition or changing how a fighter interacts with cards. Like, I think that that's great. Um, it definitely helps warbands that are lacking and brings warbands that are clearly head and shoulders above a little bit more down to earth. So yeah. overall, I think that the changes are nice. I'm sure that there's folks that are not happy with them because they've been playing with all their toys in a certain way and now they can't play with those toys in the same way again. But then there's other people who are now excited to try new things, right? So so there are a lot of changes and like you've pointed out, like there's a lot of changes to actual cards. Yeah. Like update writing. This is what that card reads. Historically, they have not done the in again, to my knowledge, this many changes to the actual writing of cards since we've been playing. Nemesis has been so popular for us because it's super easy to get people into because you play rivals and then they just graduate into Nemesis and it's a much more controlled environment. But now we have to say, oh, I know that your card says this, but it really means this. I know. And these are like really recent relevant cards yeah how do we think that this type of update impacts our new players i think it means that we have to print out the faq we have to print out the errata and the commentary and we have to bring it with us to game night that that aligns with what i was going to say which is it now falls to the players who are veteran players to help those people to understand better how their warband plays and why those changes were made um, I think it really the responsibility falls on the shoulders of people who are teaching this game to, to really point those things out because yeah. newer players to this game they might be card players or they might be you know board gamers that have come over to this game and they may not be familiar with this style of update so if you're a local community leader just make sure that your players know like, hey, this thing changed. And if push comes to shove, just print the thing out and put it on the back of a piece of paper and sit it next to your, like, I mean, literally print the thing that's relevant to your warband and either slide it in the sleeve. I know Underworld's DB sometimes will update card text on images and stuff, so just be okay with somebody's got a paper copy of their fighter card or whatever. I think that there's just a lot of... yeah things that so would be an excellent opportunity for games workshop to do some print on demand but i don't know that that will ever happen for them probably not i'm not going to hold my breath but who knows i also think you have to pick and choose kind of like when you're going to give that new player all of this Yes. yes right so if jody's coming to our game night tomorrow i'm like we're just playing the way the card's printed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Unless maybe like, maybe there's a, a Kagra Ravengers like the Inspire. Like, hey, oh, 
by the way, you inspire when there's two desecration tokens, right? Just to make it better for them. But right. the the little like the changes to breakknock slaughter, uh, we're just gonna play it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, good. So the I guess the big question here now is, so we have the new FAQ, we have the new erratas, we got the new designer commentary. Domitan is now falling the way of Thorns of the Briar Queen. Heflum, you control my warband more than I do. Valmorn is now an S-tier warband. What is yeah. your prediction for, for top warband? We'll, we'll, Jared, we'll, we'll have you go first. What is your pick? For top tier warband, so top tier. We're talking top tier warband. Mm-hmm. Like you- if you're playing competitively, if you're going to LVO, what are you looking out for? Yes. So I have two. No, you get to pick one, and then Trace can I'll go. Be- just oh one. Pick one, right. sir. Well, there are right. three people one. on this podcast. If you pick two, we got nothing else to say. Uh, that's not okay. Fair enough. So, I I think you need to keep an eye out for Headcracker. Yeah, I think they've they've got good. In faction cards, they're sturdy fighters. I mean that they're they're well written. They've got the bonus glory from primacy. Um, and they've just slinked through all these years with no. Yeah, with no changes, no, no change. nerfs, no. I mean, if Headcracker goes down, right? Then nobody else is inspiring, so they're not invincible. But I think. I think head. I I would be on the lookout for headcracker. If you're if you're going to LVO, you're going to play something competitive. I would either be thinking about playing headcracker, or at least be familiar with how to take them down. Okay, Trace, you think headcracker is the one, or you got somebody else? Uh, I don't know if this is off base or not, but I think that Thricefold have a decent chance of being pretty pretty stout now especially with the changes of the changes to domitan the changes to flm i think that i would be i would be surprised if you didn't see similar style play from them well we all know i like thricefold so that's fine by me (laughs) you think they're going to be as much as a problem because to let me back up a little bit i I do think that headcrack uh, from an aggro standpoint, because they can, can they can score so much end game, may yeah. end up by being a problem. Do you think that Thricefold is going to be a problem, or they're just going to be a little bit better than everybody else? I think Thricefold have an ability to play a really really strong flex game, like just chill and wait for you. And then you get smashed or they can play aggressive and come in and get a nice counter. And then Abbasauce avalanche you like <laughs> there's just different things that they can do. I think that especially with force of frost, I think that they have a lot of tools in the toolbox to do some pretty gross stuff. Um, plus with the temptations and yeah. being able to like, so like a perfect example is the perfect blade, right? You've got a fighter, like say that you're playing against Domitan, and he's got all these upgrades on a fighter. And you're like, here, have this upgrade. All those other upgrades are gone. <laughs> like, until, you know, they don't count as being a thing until that they take that action to remove it. 
And that's debilitating to a warband. I just think that there's a lot of tools in that toolbox that are not have not been explored because of the prevalence of Domitan and FLM. Okay. Jared, was was that your two? That, those were gonna be my two, yep. Okay. I you got I don't think I don't think either of you are wrong. I think Thricefold kind of rises to the top. I the only reason that I'm worried about Headcracker is because he's it's an older warband. Like yeah. I am definitely gonna play them. I definitely gonna think that they're fun. Um I think that the hard counter to Headcracker is just be better at aggro. I do think that Narl Spirit Pack does that. Yeah. Um I don't think that they have the long long game scoring like Headcracker has, but if you get good dice rolls, you can take the warband out. Um, I am excited for the changes to the casting and the, the ping to get some bigger warbands back into play. Like, yeah. I really want to see someone... I'm not going to do... Like, I've played Exile Dead. They're really, really fun. I don't think I really want to run them with masks. Um, but I'd love to see Exile Dead be played more. I'd love to see Loon Court, which will be where I'm going to put some time into. Do I think they're going to rise to the top? No, I just want them to be relevant more and more. Um, I think that Head, Headman's Curse hmm. is is one that's going to see a lot more play with this update. Yeah, I think they were. I think they were really worried about that the ping because they like to be kind of together and support each other. Um, so the ping really scared them. Um, so I think that they're gonna they're gonna come out and see maybe a little more playing at LVO. But we have enough war bands. It could be anyone. Um, but I think we're in a really, really, really good state. Uh, and don't sleep on on hexbanes who have always yep. held around and love when they die. <laughs> So it's true. All right. Any other comments about the update to, to underworlds? I guess the final question to end the segment, the, the third final question, the third final question We're just playing the game, Jared. That's all we're doing. It's just, just playing to see how long we can go before I get to kill the segment. Um, is the game in a better state today because of this FAQ? Yes. Sure. Sure. I think so. Thank you, GW, for, for updating the game that we love. Uh, looking forward to getting all these changes on the table. And with that, we'll finally take a break and be back in a moment. And we're back. And we are going to wrap up the 2023 season of the Battle Mallet podcast in this segment. We'll talk about our favorite moments of the year. Um, I mean, other people have done it, but we can run through all of the Underworlds releases and maybe pick our favorite um, from the year. Um, but just kind of do a really long what have you been up to lately segment here. Um, so I think you know, we're largely an Underworlds podcast, so we'll start there. 2023, let's run through the releases. Um, 
March of 2023, we saw Griselle's Air and I, which just got that major update, and Beastbound Assault, which as I was writing this up, like, do you think people are sleeping on Beastbound Assault? Or is it just like a fine deck? And it's just not going to be the one that like makes top eight at a tournament. I don't know. I think it has, I think it more than a lot of other Warband or a lot of other rivals decks really depends on what you're playing it with. And just a lot of those Warbands are not in favor. Fair enough. Right now. Yeah. And yeah. with the update, they may be in favor soon, right? Sure. Cause it, it likes the stacking upgrades on a single fighter, right? Mm-hmm. That that's play style it likes. It likes yeah. beasts. It likes um, lackeys, minions. Minions. Yeah. And we just haven't seen. We haven't seen the big boys in a while. Like when was the last time somebody busted out a Rothgorn or the Exile Dead? And I mean, because I've played it with Exile Dead, right? Like, yeah. I played it. I played it <laughs> so. in 2023 with Black Powder. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Let's not talk. I I have such so high hopes for Black Powder, and it just doesn't play the way I want it to play. So yeah. we've retired. All right, fair enough. Moving on. All right, so that was March. A short two months later in May, we got Weird Hollow. So that was a, a big drop. Two new warbands, two new rivals decks: Domitan, Ephilim, Seismic Shock, Toxic Terrors. Probably mm, the biggest shakeup to the game. Strongest warbands that have been released in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. A great box. Um, this, one of the strongest rivals decks that's been released in a long time. Yeah. And then I think I, I presume you're talking about Seismic Shock. Yes. Yeah, but I think Toxic, Toxic Terrors got, is another one. Toxic has got tools. It's got tools yeah. in it. You just have to have again. It's warband dependent, yeah. and it's very leader dependent. So if you have a squishy leader. Right. You know, whatever. I've played it. I had a lot of fun playing it with with Molog, surprisingly. Nice. It was fun playing yeah, it with they, that. The Air and I is what I play that with. I, I think that elves in general, like all the elf factions, like Toxic Terrors, fast aggro kind of. Yeah. I think if you're not really trying to be hyper competitive and are just looking for something kind of cool to play that really has some jank and messes with your opponent. I think thrice fold with toxic is interesting because you're just basically saying, Hey, you can't do any actions while you have this thing. You can't activate this fighter or there's just a lot of manipulation of the, of the opponent's warband with that, with those two decks. So I would be interested to see the scoring, the scoring on that would be difficult because again, it's very leader centric. Um, but I think it comes down to the same thing. We're talking about beastbound yep. assault. Like there, there are keywords in toxic terrors, like poison that you need the poison to trigger a lot of things. So therefore when you're building, it narrows the scope of warbands that you can use. Cause do they have access to poison? Do they not? If they don't, then you got to take more of their rivals or the, That's right. the universal rivals deck. So like it, it's always going to be there. I don't think that's going to be mass appeal on a lot of warbands like we see some of these other decks. Unless you have some warband that gets released that has like 
a lot of poison upgrades just inherently in yeah their deck or whatever. That would do it. Yeah. Cool. Scavix place pack was the uh, that was the opportunity to make that happen. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work that way. But but that didn't happen. So um, all right. So a month later in June, we get Headsman's Curse and Void Curse Thrall. So if you listen to the previous segment, I think Jason thinks people have been sleeping on Headsman's Curse and Void Curse Thralls was this deck that I think it took people a couple of months to really figure out and really get the most mileage out of. But it's seen a lot of play and it's done some work. Um, I think it. I think when it first came out, folks thought that the defense characteristic was a big, like a bigger deal than it than it really is. Um, the changing of that defensive characteristic, but I think the thing that really started selling people was not being able to be driven back and right stuff like that, like the positioning play, which we talk about all the time. Um, really comes to light when you can't do those things. And then when you have all this extra movement tech and being able to run circles around and all that fun stuff makes, it's an interesting deck. I like it a lot. It's very good. Cool. All right. And then in August we got Scavix Plague Pack and the Paths of Prophecy. So Scavix Plague Pack, you know, I think they're solid, solid warband, you know, upper tier, um, it's and my then favorite warband release of the year. Yeah, well, and it's one of the best paint jobs you've done on a warband too. So it did win you best painted. No, no, no. Ephilim won you best painted at Nova. <laughs> Just driving so, that dagger deeper. Yeah, he still won it. Um, and then Paths of Prophecy. So another another deck that you know I, we haven't seen a lot of play locally. Um, I think maybe people are trying to unpack it. Maybe there's not a good warband. The ping meta kind of dissuaded people from all of the hold stuff. All of the I played extra it with Grimwatch. Fighters. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun with Grimwatch. I think it's more fun just to roll smashes and crits and hit people. Yeah. Um, it. Yeah. I think Paths of Prophecy, like, it's the, the fact that almost every Universal Rivals deck has a cap for glory. Right. Like, right. I know that the, I think this one's like one or two higher, but hold objective historically, when you played hold, hold objective, your scores, you were going to bring in 20, 21, 22 glory. Right. In your building of a deck. Cause you knew some of them weren't going to hit. And now you're kind of limited on that glory cap. Um, so it's just, it's harder. Now I am also like, try, like I have a Paths of Prophecy build that I'm working on just to do it. Cause I do love hold objective play. Is it going to work? Who knows, but we're going to try it. Yeah. Um, and then in October we saw Death Gorge released um, or pre-ordered in October, released in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought around... Sirenis Razors, um, the Tithe of Soul Discord, Force of Frost, which was probably the most popular deck to come out. Um, the fact that it was not plot locked was big, made a lot of championship players really happy. And then Breakneck Slaughter, which again, um, I think it has teeth. I think it just hasn't been used because 
it didn't pair with the most popular or what was perceived as the most powerful war bands um, at the time. So, um, and outside of the major releases, we also had the new 2023 starter box, which contained updated Far Striders and updated Sepulchral Guard, neither of which I've seen a lot out and about, although Brian locally is playing the new Guard. Brian's been playing a lot. Locally. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to get, wrap his head around them. Yeah. He's um, had some success. Yeah. He's had some no, success. It's been good. And then the Barnes and Noble box, which is like the Sepulchral first Guard. The, and, the first hit is free. Um, it's a $35 box. You get two warbands, dice, boards, everything that you need to play. Um, it makes an excellent gift. Um, and you get the new Sepulchral Guard and then Iron Souls Condemners with... Uh, they have not been updated in the same way that Farstriders and Sepulchral Guard were, but a couple of the cards I think have been rewritten to be in line with the grammar for the current rule set. Um, and then all of the artwork and the card backs have been updated so that they match what's available now. But that pretty much covers it for 2023 releases. Dagok and Masks were announced but are not yet available. Um, they will be available in a couple of weeks. But yeah, that's it for Underworld's releases. Uh, Jason, what was your favorite release? Um, Jeez, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm going to have to go with with actual Weird Hollow and Heffalum. Yeah. Like, it was... The miniatures, like, grabbed me instantly. It was very nice to have a Chaos, like, demon-style warband. And more importantly, <clears throat> for those that don't know, I played a lot of Eyes of the Nine back in the day because they were the warband that no one wanted to play because they were terrible. So I played a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and it was really nice to get this same similar play style with a warband that really functioned. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Trace killed the paint job, which made me want to pay them and play them even more. Um, I really, really enjoyed that warband. I've, yeah, it was probably, I don't want to say it's my favorite warband of the entire scope of Underworlds, but it was really nice to have a couple months where I focused just on one. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Trace? Um, from a model perspective, I really, I think Scabex is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I took them to Nova. I painted them. I painted them pretty well. I feel like, and then um, next is probably. It's it's probably um, Thricefold Discord. I think is the next one that, yeah, really. I thought the models were great. They looked great. Um, had a ton of fun painting those as well. Um, and I think that they're. I, I'm sure that there's lots of folks playing them, but I feel like that they're just not being talked about as much. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're they're not going to be a sleeper pick anymore. I think, but I think that they were a sleeper pick before. Um, so yeah, those two, those would be my favorites for the year. What nailed cool. it for you? Yeah. So, um, I'm a sucker for Stormcast. So Domitan and I painted them the same way that I painted all of my Stormcast. So they're anvils of the Elden Hammer. I put the death masks on all of them. They look good. Um, 
So, um, like actual 2023 releases, it's that. But Dagox, Stablads, I mean, it's taking me back to my roots, right? I got four Oryx. They're on one block. Plus, Trace did a bang-up job painting them um, with that albino paint scheme inspired by Jason's creative vision. Um, yeah, and thanks, GW, but... for the early release copy. So we, yeah, already so have we actually have them in hand. Yeah, so yeah. for us, it's 2023, but for the greater world, it will be 2024 release. Um, you know, and I've had fun, you know, playing them with you guys, um, you know, getting them on the table and theory crafting with them so that we could put our content together. So, so that covers underworlds, unless you guys have any other thoughts about underworlds for 2023. I, I think the only thing to note is that the major shift, um, in tournament play here in the U S going to the nemesis format. Yeah. Um, that's, and the library really taking off this year from the support of our community. So those two things, I think from an underworld standpoint, uh, it's really nice to have that nemesis format be what we enjoy playing and supported at a lot of the major tournaments. And then kind of like what we're about here is, is that, that format. So, yeah. Yeah. We're up to 169 legal decks on the nemesis library so that we have a slew of illusory might decks that are obviously no longer legal for organized nemesis play. Um, and a, a large chunk of those are community decks, whether they're decks from tournament winners or decks that the community themselves have submitted. So again, thanks to everybody that submitted one, um, and for supporting, supporting the library there. It's been fun to see folks, in our discord just drop a drop a link in and be like hey can we add this to the nemesis library and we're like absolutely like yep. it's just emails we've that. gotten emails yep so that's, that's been cool. cool so i mean i think that transitions us to 2023 for the battle mallet podcast um and so i'm gonna take the first accomplishment we talked about it we basically made a whole episode out of it um I finally beat Jason in a tournament in the very beginning of the year, and I'm still riding that high. Uh, I don't feel like I live in Jason's pocket anymore, which is <laughs> just such a nice feeling. And it's because of you that I probably will never have a red trophy. So it's probably man. true. Yeah, yeah. What it's what okay. kind of friend? It's okay, would Jared. I... I still live in your pocket. It's fine. Right. Yeah. What, what kind of friend would I have been to just continue to beat you down for years? I don't know. Maybe I let you in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the kind of friend that Jared is to me. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, definitely rolled five successes on a on an attack from Kira, and but no crits, and I just single dice crit deft it. You did that on purpose. Well, I wasn't rolling with Kira. I was playing Hexmane. You had Kira. Oh, yeah. On to Kira. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so. so that, I mean, that'll lead to my kind of my accomplishment for, for battle mallet, um, for this year, uh, the Nova experience was something like this year. I don't know. I don't know how next year will, will trump the experience I had this year. Um, I really, really enjoyed Nova. And then just to kind of cap it off, 
with playing uh, in the, the Grand Clash and coming in second. Um, again, I don't know how I'll top that because I'll probably never win a major. Like, But uh, did did submarine my way into second, and I'll take it. Uh, and it was a great way to end this year's this year's Nova that I just loved. Yeah. Yep. And that at the same event, Trace's beautifully painted Ephilim that he referenced earlier. Uh, those are Jason's models. Jason won best painted at Nova. I am the ghost painter of Jason Murray. So, um, no, that was a lot of fun. Um, there was some really, really beautifully painted warbands there. Um, yeah. And it felt really good to, to come home with that, even though, you know, underworlds is a small game, you know, it's, it's still fun to, to claim that. So yeah. congratulations, Jason. On your on your victory of painting that warband so well, I spent many many hours doing it. Yeah, um, many hours in the car driving to drop it off and pick it up and all those things. I so. mean, that is that it, that's a long ride. It is. He probably spent as much time driving as you did painting. That's probably true. If you include all the driving for work on the way in or out, yeah, to get yeah, them, right? all the trips that he took, yeah, in between. So. Um, and then coming out of Nova, I mean, just to kind of cap off the year for us, um, you know, we, we went through the gauntlet and, um, and we were able to become reviewers for GW Underworld's products. And that's a huge honor. Um, we, it's not a, a an honor that we take lightly. Um, cause, uh, it's just, it's really cool to be able to create content, to get it out early to have it be meaningful um, for our tens of listeners. Um, But again, as always, and we will continue to say thank you to Games Workshop just for the opportunity to have the material in our hands, um, to see Chase paint it super well, um, and be able to create content around it. Yeah. That's... It's definitely been fun and it's great to see your painting skills apply to a lot of that stuff that's out there day one. I think that that is a huge accomplishment for, for the, the podcast and really for you. So uh, very happy for you and, and proud of that moment for us. Yeah. And in addition to that, I also was asked to be, a community contributor for some of the products for GW as well. So if you guys see things pop up on my, my Instagram or my, um, you know, Twitter, those things are not necessarily tied. They're tied to us, but they're not necessarily for our official product review. So those are things that I've been asked to paint as a yep. community contributor. So those are fun too. Yeah. And if you're not following trace on X and or Instagram, you should do that. It's Al Capone. Um, I'm not going to, I could spell it, but we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> um, and I, we tag him 
uh, in all of our social posts for the stuff that he paints for the podcast too. So um, you should definitely follow him. Um, and then the last thing, and I really have to give kudos to the two of you. Um, we did account the last Underworlds meetup and we have gotten our Underworlds community in the Raleigh Durham area. Uh, I would say almost even above pre pandemic mm-hmm. numbers when it comes to regular players. And that is due in 90% part effort due to y'all's efforts. Yours, Jason and trace just organizing things, being at the store on our regular Monday night meetups, especially this year as my work travel blew up. Um, and it, and my family life just got busy and it meant that I couldn't make those Mondays. The, the two of you taking the lead, holding down the fort, being with people running intro games. Um, it's, I, it's meant a lot to me to see the community grow. And I, and I think I can speak for the community and say that like, it means a lot to them too, that there is a regular place to play underworlds now, um, in the Raleigh Durham area. So just thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank the community. And out of all the things that we've talked about, all the, <clears throat> all the different changes, all the games, all the products that have come out, that is probably still, you know, the, the biggest accomplishment for, for us, for all of us. Um, and it's not just underworlds related. Like I really think that our community has grown now that we are a group of gamers that get together on a weekly basis and just play games mostly underworlds, but there's a lot of other stuff in there too. And that all took place that, you know, this calendar year. Yeah. Um, and it really means that we have more friends now. So, and I don't use that friend word lightly. So those of you that are listening locally, um, it is great to hang out with each of you every week, every other week. Um, and know that there are a number of players here in Raleigh that we truly enjoy having games with no matter if it's underworlds or something else. So thank you for everyone coming out uh, and playing. And I'm going to add one more thing. And that is a giant thank you to the techno wizard. That is Jared Johnson because Jared's the one who is always clickety clacking or taking notes or doing whatever he I mean, this podcast would not happen if it was not for Jared. So, giant thank you to you. Like, um, you know, there's been a couple times I've been like, I can help. And you're just like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm good. I got it. I got it. I got He's it. He's got to push all the buttons. And, I, and, I I know, and I've known that about him for years. But in this particular case, I just want to say thank you for wanting to push all the buttons all the time. So, yeah. you're welcome. Um, it's fun for me. And yeah, yeah, and I can tell. And I think it, you pour a lot of passion into it. You definitely have done a great job with building the Nemesis library and doing that stuff. I, you showed me how to update the library document one time and I was like, "I well, <laughs> we'll do it. I'll have you help me one time before we do it." Yeah. <laughs> it looks a lot scarier than it is, but I was just like, "I can't my brain can't handle this today." Um yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you to you both. And Jason, thank you for driving us because without you driving us, I don't oh, think so. Um, I'm the nagger. Sweet. I didn't say that. <laughs> yep. No. I, thank you for driving us. So if you're the person who comes up with great ideas, um, 
So, yeah. Thank you to both of you. Sweet. Way to close out 2023. Do we want to talk about what we did individually? I think we should. I think we should. It's our podcast. We do whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Um, Well, I'm going to go first first so that I can get it out of the way and then you guys can talk. So it's just going to be a quick rundown. Um, I'll probably pick out kind of my favorites, but uh, for anybody that knows me, the favorites are probably going to be pretty obvious. So 2023, everything that I painted, uh, I painted three Sentinels. For my, so this will be Marvel Crisis Protocol. So I guess tune out for like two minutes. Seconds. You don't want to hear about it. <laughs> um, so I painted the Sentinel Prime and then the two little Sentinels. They're not so little. Uh, painted Pyro and Blob. Painted Psylocke. Painted Emma Frost. And I thought that I was pretty much done. Um, but then my children showed interest in MCP. And they're both huge Spider-Man, Ghost Spider fans. So I picked up some stuff. So I painted Agent Venom, Venom. Ghost Spider and Black Cat. Um, and then there was a time where we thought we were maybe going to play Warhammer 40K. Um, and then we didn't. Um, and I think that's mostly my fault because I just got my teeth kicked in and was not having fun. But anyway, I painted some uh, Yanari Guardians and a Yanari Farseer. And so they're sitting on the shelf now. And then I have the rest of that combat patrol assembled and partially primed, but not painted. So that's fun. Um, on the Underworld side, it was kind of a slow year for me, painting-wise. Um, I only got Domitan, Sireni, and Thricefold painted. Um, but I'm pretty happy with those paint jobs. Um, and I kind of have a soft goal to keep up from now on. Um, and Trace helped out a ton by painting up Tagox for boo. me. <laughs> um, so, we'll see that. Um, another big thing for me for, for 2023 is in four and a half years at that point of playing Warhammer in our worlds and playing in tournaments locally and somewhat abroad. Uh, I finally won glass. Um, so that's exciting. Um, and now I have two pieces of glass. So Jason won't ever get any red glass. Um, uh, I did take eighth place at Nova with the sons of Elmorn. Uh, I had a soft goal of just being the highest place. Velmorn player at Nova. Um, and that wasn't a by default. There was one other Velmorn player. So I did have one other person to be better than, um, but I was pleasantly surprised with my eighth place finish. Um, and then the other thing that I've done is just played more Mago crisis protocol with my kids. Um, and so, uh, Kyle, the nine-year-old is kind of starting to wrap his head around it. And just today we were on our way to swim practice and I was listening to, um, Fury's Finest, and I have not listened to them for a long time. I just picked them up relatively recently. Um, so I've kind of gone back, and I'm just curious. One of the things that I love is like they do the lore segment for all of the characters. That's so my I was favorite listening part to, too. to their Magneto episode, and I thought that my son was on his tablet just kind of messing around on his way to practice, but we get parked, and my son pipes up from the back, Dad, you got to get Magneto, because he can throw like size four terrain and then give four power out to like the rest of his team. And his mystic defense is like high and you can use it against all these other attacks. And I was like, like you were legit listening to the tactic segment of a Fury's finest podcast (laughs) as a nine year old. And I was like, buddy, I have great news for you. I already have Magneto. He's like, you should play with him. And I'm like, I will. Um, But just playing, being able to play MCP, being able to share my passion um, 
for miniatures gaming with my kids in a way that's meaningful for them. Right. Like, so underworld's never grabbed them. Um, but the fact that they can put ghost spider or miles Morales or venom on the table and do cool things with it, um, is pretty cool. So that was my 2023 in review. Trace. Uh, I'll, since we've started this format, I'll, I'll continue with that style of format of going through painted stuff first. So, um, I actually painted quite a bit of underworlds this year. Um, so I painted Jason Zephalim, you know, award-winning Zephalim. Ooh, but they're mine. Um, Cyrene's <laughs> Razors, Thricefold Discord, Scabix Plague Pack. I painted my Dread Pageant in a very, like, retro-style 90s vibe with goblin green bases and bright pinks and stuff. They turned out really good. I was very happy with those. Um... Morgox Crushes painted the Stab Lads, which Jared has. Uh, and then I also finally painted my Thundrix Profiteers in like a bright, punchy yellow, which was fun. Um, I did not paint as much MCP this year because most of what I had been playing was already painted from the previous year. Um, I still have heaps of mcp to play so that is on the calendar for this year to try and get more of that done um but i painted uh amazing spider-man agent venom moon knight and rhino and rhino has been a lot of fun to play with um just going all over the board like crazy and throwing stuff and throwing people yeah he's been a lot of fun and then um this one's kind of special to me because it's one of the first things I actually got to paint for GW, which was the Morbeg Knights. That that was a fun project to work on. They turned out really cool. Um, Flesh Eater Quartz have always been kind of a weird, fun thing, and I've never really painted them. And so that was something fun and new to do. Um, and then I, I just, I counted this because it's, it took literally a month and a half to do, but um, a Legion's Imperialis three by three board that I've printed out to use, and it looks really cool. Um, I'll, I'm obviously going to add to it to make sure it's the full size for the game, but um, it is. It was definitely a fun project to work on and learn how to do that. And I've got some plans for how I want to make it a little bit more stable instead of just being kind of a bunch of six by six tiles that can get kind of shifted around pretty easy. Um, so that's coming in 2024, but I counted the three by three for our starter games that we're planning on playing into 2023. Um, and then I included in here, just helping growing a community. That's not just underworlds like Jason said before. Um, I think that's been really fulfilling for all of us. Um, and I've, feel I feel like it's something that we've all poured a lot of effort into and so I just kind of included that here too um, just not from the underworld's perspective but just for the gaming community and I feel like we've created a fun space for a lot of local gamers to just kind of hang out either on our discord or on you know in person or whatever and so that's been very fulfilling um, and then I actually set up my own, um, hobby blog, like 
just things where I can just dump projects into or in gallery and stuff like that. Um, and so that's been a fun thing for me to be working on as well. Um, so all the things that I've painted, you can go check those out if you want to. Um, so that's my, been my 2023. Sweet. Get the squeaky hammer ready. Cause in 2023, I did some. <laughs> <laughs> it's quick. It's quick. It's quick. It's quick. I got you, boo. All right. So I, I think, you know, um, for my 2023 for painted, yeah, I painted, uh, 11 crimson fist space Marines. I painted Gwen from Iron Souls Condemners, and I painted Immortal Hulk, which is probably my favorite paint job that I've done in a long, long time. You did a great job on him. <clears throat> Thank you. And then I painted Spider-Man, like, version 0.0 from MCP. Um, those were the the kind of the, the painting projects that I did. Assembled a lot more, but I think the biggest takeaways from 2023 – is I played a heck of a lot of games in 2023. You did. Um, yeah. You know, Jared, you referenced earlier about, you know, not being around and schedule, whatever, but that I think actually helped us. It has solidified that we now play every week, once on a Monday, once on a Thursday, like rotating that rotating shops, officially getting a night where we're not fixated on one game. Now, you know, for, for listeners, like our Thursday meetups, which are every other week, we rotate shops to make sure that the community in the greater Raleigh area has a local shop that we'll be at. And Thursdays are not focused on underworlds. Now does underworlds happen? Yes. It's what brought us together, but it's where we get to play MCP. It's where we get to play Shatterpoint. It's war cry. It's really what everybody wants to play. So other than the month of November, I've been playing games every week for whatever, however many weeks that is 48, 47, something along that line. And that has not happened in years. So my biggest takeaway from 23 is I played a lot of games and then the growth of the family games. So um, my kids are heavily into board games now, both Emma and Aiden. I'm sure if you've been poking around the discord, like Laura Kana is there. Emma has played in her first as my dog rummages through a plastic bag. Um, <laughs> um, Emma's played in three tournaments now for Laura Kana. So that's been a huge accomplishment um, for us. Uh, I've been fully sucked into a collectible card game. My son is playing Pokemon at the age of five. Um, and then even, like just normal dinner table type games. We're playing Dice Throne with each other, which is a whole lot of fun to play. We now have a new game for we just got for Christmas, uh, Sorcerer's Arena, Epic Something for Disney. It is Underworlds in the Disney format. Like it is a lot of fun, and they do a great job of breaking the game down into small kind of learning segments. So Emma has enjoyed that. Um, and that's really, really like my accomplishments for 2023. I, I feel in 2023, I got to spend a ton of time with friends and with my family doing the hobby that brings me the most joy outside of work. Um, so very, very happy where 2023 led 
and I look forward to even more games here soon. Sweet. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. No, I, I think I, it's been a good year. It has been a good year. I think it's been a I think it's been a bookmark year for us as a group. Yeah. Which is cool. I'd agree. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And speaking of seeing where it goes, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about our hopes and dreams and desires and wishes for 2024. And we're back. And we're going to kick it off and get ready to get into what we're going to be doing in 2024 as a group, individually, um, just all the things we're looking forward to this year, our goals, our hopes, our dreams, things we want to do better than we did last year, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and since I have the mic, I'm just going to go ahead and go. So in 2024, I have several goals. Um, one of the first ones is aligning with one of the things that Jason said in his 2023 wrap up, which is my son got some dice throne sets for Christmas this year. And so we're, he's really enjoyed it. We've played it a couple times already. He's beat me twice um, out of the two games that we've played. So that's been fun. Um, but just playing more of that with him. Cause he just seems to be very interested in it. The characters are fun. He really grasped, the uh the mechanics of the game pretty quickly and was having a lot of fun with it so i'm looking forward to that um this year is going to be a big thing for me is going to be kind of returning to my roots as a gamer um and that is just kind of embracing the what's old is new kind of thing um, Legions Imperialis coming out, Old World coming out, things like that. Um, really want to spend some time with both of those systems. I think that those systems are going to be fun um, when we're able to get our hands on them. Um, I'll just say that. That's my only pause with some of this is... Do you um, want available. me to get on my soapbox again? No, 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 no. <laughs> you can wait till your 2024 segment and then you can get on that if you'd like. Um, but all that, all that nostalgia, like Epic is something that has very been, has been very nostalgic for me. Um, growing up, I'd never played it. I always wanted to play it. Um, and then old world is truly where I began gaming. Um, my first GW game outside of battle masters that we've talked about before is, was warmer fantasy. That's what my friends got and I got into. And so I'm very excited to see what the prospects of the old world hold. Um, and then I'm definitely going to play some more MCP. My son really likes it. Just like Jared's uh, son has latched onto it. My son has also latched onto it quite a bit. He enjoys playing with them and seeing all the different characters. And um, he gets really excited about doing fun abilities and things like that. So those are fun things. Um, learning Shatterpoint, you know, another atomic mass game, 
Uh, I probably won't get heavily into Shatterpoint, but as it like comes on sale or whatever, I'll, I might snag a box here and there. Nothing, not investing too much into that. Um, and then one of the big things for me this year is I'm just going to be okay with just accepting that I just like to paint underworlds. And that might be where a lot of my enjoyment stops <laughs> for the game. Um, and just accepting that, like, there's just things I like the game as a whole. Um, but the game doesn't agree with me a lot. Um, and I just have to accept that that's just kind of the way it is. And just, just, there's some things in the game that I'm just, I don't love as much as I used to. Um, and just being okay with that and just knowing that, um, like I'm still going to be here for the community. I'll still play. Um, but I don't have any like aspirations to go win a golden ticket and then go to the world champs or whatever. That's just not something that I have any desire to do anymore. Um, so just enjoying the painting process for all the lovely miniatures that come out and just having fun with that, posting my pretty pictures of them and then playing with my nice miniatures on, on the battle to it, on the, on the table. Um, and then my big goal for the year is just to see projects through to completion. I am a giant hobby ADD person. And there are so many things that I have great ideas about that I just, I'll start on and then I don't finish them. And I, my goal this year in 2024 is to see projects through to completion. Um, both in my hobby life and in actual life. Um, so those are the things that I am ringing in the new year with. <clears throat> I am going to go over my bookshelf over here real quick. Sounds good. Yeah. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Yeah. No, that's good. And um, I think I was a little surprised by your being happy with just painting underworlds, but not surprised. Like, especially after our after our interaction on our hangout day the other day um, I, I think the I think the thing for me with that is that there's there's ways I want to interact with the game that just aren't in favor more often than not yeah and because that's just the way that I want to interact with the game and I don't want to play super passive and create negative play experiences and all this other stuff. Like that's, those are things that I don't want to do. Um, because one thing that I've just learned over this year, just helping to grow the community is just creating a welcoming environment for those players. And the last thing I want to do is play a deck that makes that person not like the game. So I'm going to engage with you. Um, and that's how I like to play the game anyway. Um, yeah. Does it always work out for me? No, especially not when I play Jared Johnson. <laughs> um, but I just, uh, and I, I just, well, I love the minis and I just need to be okay with just not being a hardcore tournament player, not trying to be bleeding edge, all that stuff. Um, 
uh, there's other games that I know that I can do those things in that I get more enjoyment out of doing those things in. Um, so that's, those are my goals for this year. Um, and Jared, I know you piped up. So why don't you go next? Yeah, sure. So uh, the first thing that I'm the most excited about is Rim Racers. So mm, for anybody yeah. that listened to our Nova review, um, we were totally hyped on that game. Uh, we played the demo of it far longer than a demo should have been allowed. Um, and when the pre-order window was open, I immediately pre-ordered it, thinking that it was going to come in time for Christmas. Uh, about three days after I put in my pre-order, um, delayed the Warsenal sent out an email saying that it was going to be delayed um, with uh, the pre-order closing in January, hoping to deliver by February 29th. I think it's funny that they picked leap day as the delivery date, but that's neither here nor there, but um, I'm excited about that. Um, at some point I'm going to get a joy toy nemesis dread night. <laughs> I have Maybe. pre-ordered it. Just, just so you know, the loin has already shipped. It's shipped. Uh, Right after Christmas, nice. I got my notification. Yeah, well, I sent another email, so <laughs> we'll see. I paid for it. I got receipts. I don't know. <laughs> I got receipts. <laughs> I'm excited to get it. That thing is going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Um, for you they, they haven't started shipping any of them yet, though, right? It's not just like no, yours not that I'm, is Yeah, it's not just my order. I don't think any of them have shipped yet. Yeah, when I sent the email, I don't know, whenever it was, end of October... Um, they said that the production had been delayed, that they were ex- hoping to ship by the end of December or in January. I so. mean, when you're shipping a small child to someone's right. house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that thing is going to, it's, it's going to weigh like 25 pounds. I so think like it's because it has motorized parts in it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. The yeah. Only, and I would have been perfectly fine without the motorized parts, but I just don't think, I, I don't know. I mean, I am now a joy toy collector. For anyone that's yeah. on Discord, I have all the Dark Angel Joy Toys. Um, well, all of them that are released. You have a whole swath of Terminators t- to order soon. Um, so, that you've so, already ordered that are being shipped <laughs> at some point. So, um, I, I don't... Anyway, moving on. I, don't so think that they, I think that they don't have another mechanical... Joy toy. I don't. I don't think they do. Yeah, and that could yeah, be the, what the problem is. The, the Cy Gatlin cannon is probably what's slowing up production. But I'd have been fine without it. But because it also has lights. <coughs> Excuse me. I think. But um, anyway, so I'm excited to get that when it gets here. We're probably going to make this this episode again in a year, and I will have not received it yet, and still be excited to receive it. Um, I think my most favorite thing is that when I'm on work calls, like webinars and stuff, if you're paying attention, you can barely see the Invictor tactical war suit, like over my shoulder, like when I'm presenting for work. There's no way I'm going to be able to hide a Nemesis Dread Knight unless I just completely <laughs> blur my entire background. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't think I'm going to blur my background. I think there's going to be a giant war dolly <laughs> sitting in the background for all of my work stuff. Like anyway. <laughs> so, <coughs> sorry. So that covers that. Um, I'm, I want to finish painting up the web warriors that I own. Um, so that'll be the amazing Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Woman. And then we played MCP at our meetup and, um, at, at our like kind of OG, uh, gaming meetup. Um, 
and uh, everybody was using the fancy new tokens, and I was really sad that I didn't have the fancy new tokens. And I tried to get on eBay to order just the tokens, but people wanted like $65 for the tokens and the rulers and the cards. So I still had money from Frontline Gaming, so I just ordered the Mightiest Corset box. Um, so I'll have Spectacular Spider-Man to paint too, and eventually I'll get to the rest of those models. Um, Autumn, my daughter really likes Captain Marvel, so I'm sure that I will paint the new Captain Marvel at some point. But anyway, Web Warriors is the focus there. Uh, we just found out that the new mutants that are getting released will be released on March 1st. So that's going to be Professor X, Shadow King, Bishop, Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, and Iceman. I'm going to get all of those painted. Uh, I want to have painted or paint myself all of the Underworlds releases for this year. So that'll be the next Death Gorge Warband. And then if the release schedule holds to what it's been historically, that'll be another core box plus two more Warbands plus another core box, plus maybe one more Warband this year if we stick to the release schedule that we had this past year. But I want to be on schedule, get everything painted for Underworlds that gets released this year. I want to paint the Legions Imperialis box. Uh, I want to paint a Warcry Warband. So I don't own a painted Warcry Warband, and it is our favorite game that we never played. I thought you painted the Shadowstalkers, did you not? No, no. Never painted them. Nope, they're based. They're too busy running away. That's what's going on. They are too busy grabbing the thing and running away. Um, and then, uh, I think I want to like go as hard as I can at Nova this year in Underworlds. So historically, I have just played for fun. Um, like I didn't know what I was doing at all the first year that we played. So I took Iron Skulls Boys. Um, I was kicking butt and taking names with the Othari until they nerfed the heck out of Power Unbound, which was fair. It needed it. But I ended up taking the Othari um, and like they weren't good. And then Headcracker, that was championship. We had not been playing it. So I just took something that I was familiar with. Again, with Felmorn, I just took something that I was familiar with. So I think I really want to like focus in this summer and I don't know, maybe try to get a pulse on the meta and take something that's going to be really good and then just be really sad when I don't do well. But I don't do quote-unquote well anyway, so what does it matter? Um, unless you're playing Trace. Unless I'm playing Trace, right. Yeah, your your <laughs> win rate and then, me is ridiculous. I know, it's, it's, it's so bad. bad. Um, and then I don't know if it's going to happen. I would love to be able to qualify for Worlds but I don't think that that's going to happen if the only big event I go to is Nova. Um, so I'm going to start looking at options. I think LVO is not an option. <clears throat> um, Cherokee open is not going to be an option for me because I'm traveling for work the week after, but I might look at Adepticon or Gen Con or some other big event. Um, if I can, even if I have to like fly out like late on a Friday land, play on a Saturday, Sunday and fly out late on a Sunday, um, somewhere else, um, I would like to try, but those are, that's kind of my big, that's what I'd like to get done in 2024. So we went opposite directions in our <laughs> underworld's journey this we year. We did. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Um, 
And then, I mean, on top of that, you know, more more games with kids, and I think that's Rim Racers comes in there. Yep. And then I backed the X Men Dice Throne. Nice. That's not going to release till late next year, this year. Yeah. But fall. I think it's an accessible game, which means I might end up buying some Dice Throne. Maybe just buy two characters some point in the next few months and see if it grabs my kids' attention. Once you buy a couple, you'll probably buy more. I know. I'll just drive to Jason's house and look. Trace, Trace did it the best way. <clears throat> like legitimately. Like, so I have season one, season two, but Trace bought what he thought James would be into, right? Like he yeah. picked a wizard and a vibrarian. Like though, like those characters are very revel revel. Oh my goodness. Very, malevolent no yeah malevolent <laughs> very <laughs> relevant to what his son is into right yeah so if they're into spider foe get the spider foe one like, like there's a marvel dice throne that you can get right now that has miles in it miles right in it so okay um because it will like definitely box, help them it's like a box of four i think and there's okay. miles it's miles black panther somebody else i think it's okay. Str- Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, yeah, yeah. Okay, good to know. It's like sixty bucks. Maybe that's what I buy then. But anyway, so but playing more games with my kids is really the goal there. Whether that's board games, um, Kyle bought randomly a Minecraft board game made by Ravensburger mm-hmm. uh, while we were at Target this past week, and it's co-op, and we played it. It's pretty fun. Cool. Um, you know, awesome. getting more game time in with my family, I think, is another goal. Yeah, that's dangerous for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's a slippery right. slope. Why don't you tell us about <laughs> what your plans are for twenty? Yeah, get, so for twenty twenty four, like you're done, Jared. Yeah, it's just Did a slippery. Just okay. a slippery slope in the fact that I really like gaming so if my kids show interest it's like game over you know, yeah it's very much game over and what i've really tried to do is make sure that i'm not pressuring specifically emma to play play those games or play Lorcana. and you know even tonight as we record on a wednesday we get home from from daycare sarah gets home we're sitting down for dinner and she looks across the table she's like so we're not going to the tournament tonight. It's like, how did you even know there was a tournament tonight? Like she knows the days I am not feeding her the information. So uh, that's really cool. And that's really my goals for 2024. I don't have a whole lot. Like you guys have a ton of painting stuff. Everything everyone knows I hate painting. So we'll just say paint something. Um, For me, when it comes to painting, I think one of my 2024 goals is to just consistently get my paint station set up. Um, I am not in a position where I can leave my paint station set up at my house. It has to get taken down when we have out of town visitors. And that is really when my painting stops. If I set up my paint station and it's there, I paint when it's taken down, I lack motivation to put it back up. Um, so just being more consistent and just getting that back out. Um, and then to continue to, to do what we've been successful in, and that is grow the community. Um, I want to make sure that I'm continuing to set up events for Underworlds, um, but also to get 
drive more other game events on our off nights. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Cause I'm the other nights I try to stay really quiet and what is want to play. Cause I tend to influence things. I'm very, very intense when it comes to what I want to do. Um, but I think that we've done such a great job at building underworlds. It'd be really nice to maybe we have a dice throw night, right? Like where everyone just plays dice throne and, and we do that or maybe start a war cry narrative. Or for me, I want to play legions Imperialis. So like, okay, like one Thursday for the next six months, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, but continuing to have those kind of events for our community, I think is vital not only to continue to help it grow, but to support our players and our friends in being active in what we do. So that's really where my main focus will be in 2024 is just continuing to make sure that there's enough events for us to, to support our gaming habits. Um, I would love to go to another event this year. I know I think I've talked about it with you guys a number of times. We do a great job at getting away for Nova. I would like a spring winter slash spring event to get away with friends too. I was hopeful it was going to be Cherokee, but that is rapidly declining due to life getting in the way. Um, but some other events here in the winter to spring. And then, I mean, Sarah's already got the beach house book for Nova. So like Jared, I'll be going hard in Nova. I don't think I really care so much if I win the Underworlds event, but my goal there is to always play as many games as humanly possible, period. Um, so yeah, those are kind of my 2024 goals. Um, I'm going to leave it open to what games come out, what inspires me. I know right now that I'm in, in Legions Imperialis and Underworlds and Loracana. But I'm open to whatever else slides by too. MCP, I'm just here to play. I don't know if I'm gonna buy any MCP this year. We'll see what see what comes out. So No, you know you'll buy it when Doctor Doom comes out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If Doctor Doom is here, I will buy Doctor Doom. Yeah. And other Avengers, like I'm really close to picking up the set, although I don't really, don't really want all those models, but we'll see. Nice. Depending on how the old world stuff shakes out, I might do old world at Nova. Oh, that'd be fun. You had your opportunity last year. You passed. Square hammer. I did. But now it'll be... L- Officially supported Square Hammer. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure there'll be an event. My my big concern with that is just how well it hits. We'll see yeah. how well it hits. I'm probably going to get the rule book and the Ravening Hordes book and then just kind of wait for a little while. For more product to be available, right? Uh, we might be waiting a while if we yeah. do that. Yeah. But we, just maybe Nova two years from now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm sorry. I'm very salty in product availability for legions Imperialis. Like, so I have no yeah. hopes that the old world will 
fix those problems that my beloved company that I purchased many things from is having. But hey, all the stuff that for the two armies that they've talked about are going to be available on day one for That's like true. five minutes. Yep. Till it's all sold out. So. Cool. Cool. Well, sounds like we've all got some interesting plans for this year and um, lots of games played, lots of games played with the kids. It sounds fun. Maybe we should end up getting all the dice thrown kids together one day. That would be interesting because that sounds like an aligned goal for all of us. Um, but just playing more games with each other, playing more games with friends and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this segment and we'll close out the show. And we're back and that will wrap up this, the 57th episode of the battle mallet podcast. Um, as always, we like to say thanks for listening. Um, if you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice, um, like all of our social medias, we are battle mallet podcast on Facebook, battle mallet PCAST on Instagram, battle mallet one on X slash Twitter. Um, that would be awesome. If you're not following Tracy is Al Capone on both Twitter slash X and on Instagram. That's A L C P W N D. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, community shout out wise. Um, I think we just want to shout out the Cherokee open again, uh, Cherokee, North Carolina opportunity to play some Warhammer underworlds. There are also some other games being played there, I guess, whatever. Yeah. They're, <laughs> um, not, they're not big games at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then LVO, I know it's, we're coming down to the wire for LVO. If you weren't planning on going already, you're probably not planning on going, but that one's coming up. Um, and then Jason, we're keeping an eye out for something underworlds related in the next couple of months here locally. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't have any dates to announce now, but, um, with Cherokee open for us kind of being a hard, maybe now that would put two events, one this month in January and one next month in February locally. If Cherokee does not happen. Yeah. And then, uh, Brandon Huss, friend of the show is hosting a Warhammer underworlds tournament, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina at that computer store. Um, if you hop into our discord and you go to the local events, channel there is a thread for that you can find the link to the tournament in bcp i'm not sure if we're going to be able to make it down there signs are pointing to no right now as the magic eight ball usually says but that could change um but i think that's it so for the battle mile podcast we are an ald a lang and a sign This is Jared signing out. This is Jay signing out. And I'm Jason Table New Murray. Get the hell out of here. Peace. Battle Mallet Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. 
If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. The poor have the rich need, and if you eat it, you will die. Nothing. What happens once in a minute, twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years? The letter M. Ooh, Jared's on it. Yes. Played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons in high school, Jason. <clears throat> so There are only Emma's, so many common riddles. Yeah, so Emma's got this thing that Sarah's parents had her up. It's like some knight, and he sends her like riddles and like yeah. little ciphers and stuff. And the other one was like, what begins with P and ends with E and has a thousand letters in it or something like that. Yeah, that's what it was. The post office. This mother...